Cause when it's always winter But never Christmas Sometimes it feels like You're not with us But deep inside our hearts We know that you are here And we will not lose hope Darkness to Light Hosted by Alan and M. Middleton We aim to explore what takes place at the corner of theology and geekology. Episode 42 Home for the Holidays Welcome to episode 42 of Dorkness to Light. This is our show where we take a look at pop culture in terms of where those stories intersect with concepts in religion, faith, theology, and spirituality. And yes, for this one we are going back to the topic from last Christmas in episode 35 where we talked about Blue Christmas. And uh, we should also just confess here at the beginning, might need to re-record that intro where we say this is Alan and M, because this episode is Alan and M and possibly Lucy, the beautiful black cat. So if things sound a little bit different right now, we are actually in the same room recording on the same microphone again for the first time in about nine months. But six feet apart from each other, which makes us about three and a half feet apart away from the microphone. (laughs) And the cat is here with us. It seemed only appropriate that if we were going to do another Christmas episode, that it should be a Home for the Holidays episode. (laughs) But Home for the Holidays this year does mean doing things... A little bit differently. Yes. Now, last year we talked about the Blue Christmas service, which had grown in popularity the last five or ten years. Uh, Sometimes this is called the Long Night Service. It occurs around this time of year, around the solstice, the part of the Advent season marked by the longest night of the year. And the original idea was focused on people who'd lost loved ones during the year felt unable to fully enter into the celebrational aspect of the season. Churches have expanded that a bit to to include anyone who's suffering or going through a tough time. Which, after the entirety of 2020, basically includes every living human being on the planet. Yeah, we thought last year we were sort of being bold and cutting edge, saying, you know, Christmas sometimes can be a struggle for some people. As opposed to now, where Christmas 2020 is a struggle for all people. And it's just a continuation of Thanksgiving, and Halloween, and Labor Day, and Mother's Day, and basically everything since Easter. Yep. Do you remember just about the last thing we did? This was in March. I went to my father's on March 5th, came back March 10th, the world shut down Friday the 13th. 
one of the last things we did before that was you and I got our Ash Wednesday ashes from Father Joe. I'm pretty sure we are still in Lent. So, (laughs) yeah. We mentioned on a previous episode that there are essentially in 2020 going to be two Easter's. Mm -hmm. That there is Easter that happens on the calendar day Mm -hmm. of the liturgical calendar, and there is Easter when we are actually able to meet together again. And it is telling that basically the entirety of 2020, (laughs) and probably a not insignificant portion of 2021, 2021, are going to be one long, continuous Lent. And Advent, which is about waiting for a promised hope. (laughs) Thank you, liturgical calendar. Nailed it this year. Welcome to Ladvent 2020. (laughs) So, you know, we did talk a little bit about this theologically last time. A lesson that applies to Blue Christmas and that is that the kingdom of God is about the now and the not yet. Our life is a type of Advent or a type of Lent, a type of waiting for a fulfillment of a promise. This is the waiting space. This is the era of incompletion. Eventually, no more tears, no more pain, justice rolling down like a river, equality, unity, reconciliation. All of those things are coming. Sometimes we get glimpses of them here. That's what the kingdom of God is. So we did think it worthwhile to revisit the topic, but not in the exact same way as last year. I actually considered, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, M, but in kicking this around, I thought about just reposting last year's episode. The problem was it is way too specific. And to have a Blue Christmas 2020 that doesn't mention COVID, really missing the point, I think. Yes. The... And can you tell the cat to not bite on the cords of the vacuum cleaner? Because she loves biting on cords. Every cord to every device we have is up in the air. She's managed to find the vacuum cleaner. She is now thoroughly restrained. Um, that means in your lap. We'll, we'll see if she stays there, and we'll see if uh, she starts complaining at some point. If so, you guys are welcome. So like you said, having a blue Christmas at the end of 2020 is a very different experience than having a blue Christmas Mm. at the end of 2019. There really was a sense at the end of 2019 that things were about as hard as they could get. And unfortunately, 2020 has in a lot of ways typified the concept of if you thought it was over, It wasn't. There was always more. There's always something else. There's something new behind every single corner. 2020, hold my beer. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was the year. It was the year of hold my beer. Um, Since she's right here, I want to talk about basically the the only thing that has gotten you, me, and mom through the last nine months when we have not been able to see other people. We've very, very rarely been able to see each other. And I would like to take this moment to give a shout out to every single pet that has been on an audio call, FaceTime, Zoom Zoom work meeting, because they are literally the only thing that has been getting us through this year. 
in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The amount of pet therapy that all of us have been getting uh, has quite literally been the bright spot of this whole year. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. I mean, Lucy, stuck. Lucy has been an excellent work-from-home supervisor for your mom. Absolutely. Terrific. So here, here at Christmas, it is a strange and different sense of waiting mm-hmm. that we are all experiencing because I think that we are all looking forward to January 1st, 2021. I'm not sure if a single day has been more looked forward to by a larger percentage of the human race in history. Because magically, somehow, that's going to make all the difference. Exactly, but... You know, it might psychologically. It might actually make dif- make a difference. It's not a firm ending, and so it's this sort of strange feeling of suspicion <laughs> as we're all moving towards the new year of saying, like, okay, we have a chance to start fresh. Nobody jinx it. (laughs) Don't jinx it. Don't say it can't get worse. Because 2020 was the year of, oh, you think it was over. Oh, you thought this was how bad it was going to get. But there is a strange feeling of relief coming to Mm -hmm. the end of the year. That even if it's just people's school semesters are ending. You're coming to the end of the calendar. There is a feeling of renewal with a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of suspicion (laughs) right behind it that maybe it's not going to be the end of everything that's happening, but it's a chance to take a breather. It's a chance to rest. Maybe not a chance to stop, but a chance to... Maybe a chance to reset. To reset, to relax a little bit, to center ourselves, to experience just a a brief break from everything that's been going on. So I think we're just going to talk a little bit about how we're doing in these crazy days, how we're approaching the holidays, and then maybe share some much-needed happy holiday recollections. Oh, she is holding onto my knee, which is the one place that my genes do not protect me. (laughs) This is also going to be probably like the least structured episode that we have Mm -hmm. ever recorded because you and I are lucky in that we are able to, for the most part, keep to ourselves. We don't have to worry too much about our households bubble size. Mm-hmm. None of us are going to school, events, anything that, you know, would put us in extended contact with other people. So we're able to actually see each other fairly frequently, mm-hmm. spend time together, at least the four of us. Right. But we know that that's not true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so my thought was, this is sort of a chance for us to say, we've made it. And it's not over, but we should take some time to celebrate is a weird word, but a chance to come home, even if it's different, even if we're on opposite sides of the room, (laughs) even if we can't have all of our friends and family over, even if we're not sharing meals together, we can still have a a time to come together, to be together here at the end of the year, because holy snap... (laughs) We need it. We need it. We need it. Uh, of the the three of us, you, me, and your mom, 
your mom's the only one fully unscathed, at least financially, at work. Mm -hmm. Currently, uh, she's on 20% work from home and goes into the office most, uh, most every day. Her job has changed from church receptionist, still is that, but is also church temperature taker, temperature uh, recorder, Excel spreadsheet maintainer, and occasionally bouncer. I would say uh, her job could best be described as COVID enforcer. <laughs> and honestly, of all of us, she was the one most affected in the early mm-hmm. days of the pandemic. Like, I think for one thing, I think she got the scope of it. She literally said when she clocked out of work at the end of March... I'll see most of you in September. So somehow she knew, and 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 she was optimistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when everyone was saying six weeks, two months max, she knew. She and knew. I think to some extent that actually made it tough on her because she sensed this was going to be worse than everyone was saying. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really hard for her at those early days, but it did in a certain sense. It's the strange experience of going through something that is a mass trauma event, which is that everybody individually handles trauma differently mm-hmm. and at different rates. Mm-hmm. So by the time that it was really starting to wear on you, she was yeah. sort of starting to get a little bit of a handle on her own anxiety management yeah. and her own ways of relating to the world. And I was able to step in at that point. By the time mm-hmm. it started really getting to me, you were in a rougher place. Yep. And she was almost out of the woods. Right, yeah. It, the fact that we all handled it differently, are handling it differently, has actually been helpful. Because we have been able to, to, to the extent possible, be there in, in different ways for each other. Mm-hmm. At different times. And it was hard for her returning to being in a physical space yes. part-time. Mm-hmm. That was really rough for her, but it did also give her a sense of control. Yes. And honestly, I really, I at this point, I really wish they would just change her job title to COVID enforcer <laughs> because that is very much what she does. Like she is on it about regulations and protections and what needs to happen in Masks order to and make distance sure and temperature taking in order to keep people safe and, and she, she is, is righteously indignant at people who aren't at leaders and pastors who aren't enforcing the rules and the procedures etc mm-hmm. and any anyone flaunting the rules will get her very firm very kind judgment heaped upon them um <laughs> She is, I would say, a not-tall woman. (laughs) And just the mental image that I have of her complete paladin-like stolid refusal to let grown six-foot men into that building Mm -hmm. honestly does fill me with joy every time I think about it. Just this tiny little paladin of health and safety protections, <laughs> like standing in the wave of COVID-19. Yes. Um, is is honestly one of the one of the things that gets me through the day. I wish that COVID enforcer was an actual job <laughs> position, like at a governmental level, and mom could just have it. We could just unleash her on Perfect. the entire populace of the state of Ohio. 
it would be great. <laughs> you know, on, on my side, um, I was doing online teaching to some varying degrees uh, beforehand. And so that transition was not all that difficult. We're fully online here in the fall and also in the spring. Gets a little stir-crazy on occasion. I did mention that uh, really the last thing we did was I went to visit my dad in the beginning of March, which meant at the end of February I got a haircut. And haven't since then. I occasionally trim up the beard. Occasionally. I've not gotten a haircut in now coming up on nine and a half months. I have gotten one haircut. Your mom's gotten two. In the intervening nine and a half months. Um, and it's... Um, it's rough out Put here. Put that hat back on. Put that hat back on. It's a, been a rough time. And as a university employee, public university employee, you know, we had some budget cuts and, and had to let staff go and untenured folks. And even us tenured folks got a little bit of a pay cut, which is uh, unusual for our line of work. We're even the most secure type of position has its own level of of insecurity and if this drags out much longer another budget cycle or two who knows what happens next i mean everyone is facing that level of of insecurity and that just adds a level of stress on everything else indeed which is to say though between the two of us we've been pretty fortunate i think that's that's uh Safe to say. Yeah. From the start of the COVID pandemic, I was always very grateful, pleasantly surprised about the the way that my job was handling um, the pandemic as far as, you know, continuing to pay people and having pretty good comprehensive benefits and all that. But unfortunately, as you said, even even at a university, there is only a certain degree of security for every level of employees. I'm now uh, unemployed. Had a job eliminated. Yes, a job eliminated, which is, I mean, it's nice to know I didn't get fired. Right. That warm, fuzzy security does not pay bills. <laughs> um Having a household go from two incomes to zero in the course of a three-month period was taxing. Mm -hmm. But even at the end of that, I still do say I am lucky. I had savings. My roommate had savings. We both got pretty good exit packages from our places of employment. But the combined stress of worrying Mm -hmm. about aspects of my finances that I haven't had to worry about for years. And then the added stress of being cooped up in the house constantly has really, really, really started to drain on my emotional reserves. I legitimately did not realize that, you know, I, I talked to you personally, I'd said it on the podcast, like having tasks Mm-hmm. I still felt so anxious and uncertain 
Even working from home was still stressful. It had a lot of anxieties wrapped up in it. But I did not realize how even the idea of having a task, of having a goal, even if it was a small goal or a vague goal, really was helping keep me centered throughout like the first six months Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. And that after that point, when it was my responsibility to set those goals, (laughs) it got really, really rough. I... I did capitalize on all of that free time. You threw yourself into outdoor work at the house, indoor work at the house. Mm-hmm. As long as long as it was, you know, pleasant weather outside, I threw myself into yard work. I threw myself into yard work around your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely renovated our kitchen. Yes. For uh, a shockingly <clears throat> small amount of money that I was very pleased with, just to have something to do, yes. some kind of goal, some way to spend my hours. I mean, we talked a, a, a little bit about it. It's true in, in, in my case, the way I was teaching, you know, with the, the online, the not leaving the house, the, you do get a little unmoored from time. You feel a little... Oh, man. There's a little Doctor Who-ish action happening where, what day of the week is it? What week of the month is it? What month is it? Well, I, I know darn well what year it is. But <laughs> other than that... There is, again, just that you know, that sensation of not having, not having that type of structure. Yeah. Difficult for many. I am always irrationally upset that daylight savings exists. <laughs> but this year in particular, daylight savings feels like an absolute insult. We were already entirely unstuck from time. And you couldn't just say, you know what? As a society, we're taking a pass. We, have, we have evolved beyond the need for daylight savings. Let's just get rid of it. This year, no one will miss it. If there's anything that we need here at the end of 2020, it is to experience an extra hour of darkness every single day. That is... Just seems mean. But it is really helpful for the children on the bus not going to school. Right. Wait yes. a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could have got ourselves together just enough to get rid of daylight savings. This could have been the year. We had the super moon, Halloween, super moon, all wasted. But you helped me very much about a month ago in mid-November when we were talking about Thanksgiving and then rolling into Christmas. Because we were at eight people last year's Thanksgiving. We had been at six for a while. Our two, year two, and two single buddies. And then we added Valerie's brother and dad, we had eight, and we were just going to go back down to four. Two of the more difficult conversations your mom had was uninviting her two single friends. But you have to do what you have to do. Yep. And when we were cutting the participants of Thanksgiving in half, we were trying to figure out how much we were going to cut the food. And you were pretty adamant about not skimping much. Yeah, my my insistence was the people might be decreased by 50%. The food should be decreased by 0%. You should make exactly as much food as you made 
last year because the only thing sadder than having a small Thanksgiving is having a small Thanksgiving and then having to cook yourself lunch two days later. That is unacceptable. Yeah, we ended, we we did cut one dessert and we cut one side, but that was about it. So we did we had about yeah fifty percent of the people and about eighty percent of the food. Yeah, eighty five percent. We were pretty good. No reductions in portion size, and you actually went out on a limb and got an actual turkey this year instead of just sort of a turkey roast or a turkey yeah, breast. smoked turkey breast, which we've gotten in the past. So we it was were bold. it was the year we everybody everybody else was downsizing their Thanksgiving. It was an opportunity for us to upgrade, to be grateful, to celebrate. As you say, you 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 use the word bounty. We're going to have a bounty. We're going to celebrate a bounty. We're <laughs> going to be the bounty. This is non negotiable. We are having a celebration, and twenty twenty can do its best to stop us. I mean, that did lead me to go for it in terms of Christmas decorating. Um, And, you know, we're not traveling to see my family in North Carolina like we've done the last number of years, which in addition to eliminating visits to friends along the way, you know, eliminated that that family time. But we're going to be home for the first time in a long time. That means we're getting a stinking real tree for a change. We're getting a real tree! You can't get a real tree if you're going to be gone for ten days in the middle. Yeah. And, unfortunately, you also can't get a real tree if your cat has access to said real tree. Yeah. With the current setup that you have in the house, the cat does not have access to the living room. Ergo, real tree. Real tree. So, again, it's just like, there's an opportunity. Let's take this opportunity. And that opportunity was to throw out on all the decorations, all the tinsel, all the lights. Thank you for your help with the outdoor lights. And a real tree. And the other thing I decided to go whole hog into this year is that for some of our friends, this time of year is all about the Hallmark Channel. Yes. And Hallmark Christmas movies. And if that's you, bless you and go for it. I chose to make this year about every holiday-themed baking and cooking show I could find on every channel I could find them on. And loving it! And here's the great news. (laughs) Nobody was filming new anything. Which means that you got to watch the 24-hour marathon of... Christmas Cookie Baking Challenge. Yes. And the 14-hour marathon of Home for the Holidays, Interior Decorating, Holiday Bonanza. Every season of every show, plus the Iron Chef America annual holiday battles. I found found everything. All 14 of them. (laughs) Again... Time you know, is how, meaningless how in much 2020. Bobby Flay is too much Bobby Flay. No, it can't be done. No such it thing. It can't be done. How much Morimoto trying to make bizarre <laughs> ice cream flavors is enough? No such thing. No such thing. I'm also very glad that while you were doing that, I was able to find at the beginning of quarantine pandemic time, Monty Don, the British gardener. Mm-hmm. And then here, near the end of 2020, The Repair Shop on Netflix. So peaceful. 
So soothing. So soothing. Thank you for sharing that with us in time to watch those first two seasons before they got pulled off Netflix. I've not started season three yet because, you know, a lot of baking and cooking shows, but (laughs) keep calm and repair something. (laughs) Motto from of our British friends. Yeah. Keep calm and build something beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, thank you. I really needed that sort of security and assurance. Yes, good because you got a lot out of the out of the gardening show. Oh yeah. As difficult as this year has been, there has been a lot of growth and also very, you know, painful changes all sort of wrapped mm-hmm. up into one. And if that is not best summarized with gardening, <laughs> I don't know what is. It yeah. is hard work to make something beautiful. And it's like, you know what? Moving into 2021, that is like my motto. You know, I literally, mm, I also, I'm, I'm, I am both dreading and hoping in January of 2021, no resolutions, no goals, no, yeah. no challenges. 2021 is the year of growth after the year of labor. <laughs> This year has been hard. This year has been so hard. At the end of every year, I spend a good solid couple of days listening to This Year by the Mountain Goats. And just as a general barometer of how well I've been doing, I started that about (laughs) mid-July. I said, you know what? I am going to make it through this year. If it kills me, there will be singing and dancing in Jerusalem next year. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I am taking that energy and I'm going to bring that forward for like a solid six months. Yes. And now that we've gotten to the end of it, it is now the time for the song we played at the start of this episode. We are here at the hopeful Christmas time of a metaphorical winter that has not lasted a hundred years. Seemed like it sometimes. It definitely has seemed like it. To bring some uh, C.S. Lewis full, <laughs> full, full circle, um, I am definitely going to be watching the uh, Chronicles of Narnia movies in <laughs> the coming days. A Christmas hard fought for to get <laughs> to the end of this winter. I'm like, I... I've been reading a lot of C.S. Lewis, mostly through some of my internet friends who have Mm -hmm. also gotten very into C.S. Lewis this year. And let me just say, this has been a year of great divorce. We have all been divorced from each other for a long time. Mm. Like this, C.S. Lewis honestly gets a lot of flack. Some of it he deserves, but not all of it. The kind of stress and worry and labor and emotional work that we have been through this year. That sort of sitting with sadness, but in a less meditative way. Last year Mm -hmm. was sit with your sadness, sit with your silence, acknowledge that darkness. And now we have sort of reached the point of, you know what, we've been in darkness for a really, really long time. And I'm going to find some light. Maybe it's not going to be spring yet, but I'm going to find Christmas. I'm going to find some little lights in the darkness to hold on to. 
until we can get to the other side. Well, let's tell some Christmas stories then. You know, that seems right. We are here at the darkest night of the year, the middle of winter. It is actually snowing in Ohio before <laughs> Christmas. I'm really hoping it snows again. We've got a little bit of, of wait time to see, but I want a white Christmas. Again, we as a society, <laughs> as a species, we have earned it. I want Christmas. And it only seems right as we're at Christmas to tell Christmas stories. Now let me tell one about winter weather gone awry. Ugh. 2004, the year of the Midwestern ice storm. Back in my days, you didn't have heat in the dead of winter. You had to burn wood in a fireplace and huddle around it wearing wool sweaters in the olden years. Of 2004. Of 2004. I looked it up. It was 2004. The ice storm came the morning of December 23rd. And power was out I mean, all over the Midwest, but all over central Ohio. And we had a wood-burning stove in the house, so we had that. But by the end of that first day, you and Mom had gone to the hotel. You, and I believe it was a pet-friendly hotel. My memory is you took the cat with you. Yeah, it was a it was it was a nice motel. Yeah, that did allow the pets. So it was me and her and the cat because they we had an they, emergency they, generator and hot water. And they were talking, we didn't know how long it was going to be. There was, they ended up some places where it was 7 to 10 to 14 days mm-hmm. in some of the more rural areas. And so I stayed home I that day. I remember that day. We, I, everything that could get baked, we threw in the oven. We boiled water We you know, for pasta on the stove just to get steam and heat. I slept down that night by the... By the wood stove, A, because it was the warmest place in the house, B, you didn't want it to go out. Covered all of the windows with blankets, covered all it the was... doors with blankets, piled up pillows in front of the, the the door to the basement. It turned out we were quite lucky because you and Mom came by on the 24th. My recollection, I guess you must have picked me up because the three of us went to church for Christmas Eve service. And then we went back to the house. I don't know if we did stockings or we did some presents, but you were there to drop me off. And as I was driving, getting closer to our street in our neighborhood, I noticed a few places with lights on. I didn't say anything. I think you and Mom probably noticed. I don't know if we ever acknowledged that. And then it was turning into our street. We're the second house on the street. Basically, as soon as you turned on this street, you could see that we had electricity. Because we even hit the garage door opener <laughs> and, and drove right in. I think you and Mom spent that that night at the hotel because the cat and right and check out it, and it was still fifty two degrees. It was very cold, but that was cold in the house. That was the chance to crank up the the thermostat before we had to and then you fully guys, move back. You guys in. came back the next day, but to me, that is our Christmas miracle: getting our electricity on lights back on christmas fairly, eve fairly quickly but and a warm about house. six or seven o'clock christmas eve uh, the lights coming back on. lights back on on christmas eve and a warm house christmas day that mm-hmm. was a good one uh, since lucy the cat has left the studio 
just wanted to tell a couple quick cat stories from a previous not, few lines. Not to give her any ideas. Our first cat here uh, in, in Ohio, the cat we brought with us from Virginia, really liked drinking the Christmas tree water. And there are a few things not more... good, not good. There are a few things more frightening and also frustrating yeah. than rushing your cat to ER at the vet around the corner during the Christmas season and having to have a veterinarian look you in the face and say... Your cat is too dumb to not drink tree sap. That's hard to sit with. (laughs) Fortunately, your mom, the fantastic cross-stitcher, made us some beautiful, ornate, very heavy tree skirts skirts that that we could cover up and pin down so that he couldn't get in. But man, man, did he try to break in. Didn't one time he tried to break in so hard he almost knocked the tree over? I believe so. I believe that is the case. Then, by the time we moved to Artificial Tree, with the next round of cats, I believe it was Sunset, just loved climbing the tree. And Sunset was not one to get up in the to get up very high. This was about the only thing that she was not a jumper, a leaper, a see how high up. But that was her sister. But Sunset liked to climb the Christmas tree. Yeah, just be- and then peer out at you. Yeah, she would get about about two thirds of the way up, about four or five feet off the ground and just curl up around the central metal post and just stare out at you from in between the Christmas lights. The sheer terror that you feel the first time that you're looking for the cat, looking for the cat, looking for the cat. And so you turn off the Christmas lights and then two little bright green laser beams (laughs) shoot out of it because it's the hallway light reflecting and you realize that the tree is blinking at you. That's terrifying. Because <laughs> it was her sister was the leaper. And one year, of course, Twilight, and one of Twilight's favorite things to do during the Christmas season was to leap up onto the top of the sort of stereo cabinet, which where all the angels were. Because somehow, I think she felt at home there. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be part of the heavenly host. <laughs> Which again was fine, except for the couple very fragile angels that she wanted to become very yep. good friends with very quickly. That uh, had to had to migrate they to, had some, to migrate. some cat safe <laughs> home. How about the year without a Christmas tree? Yeah, so the first year that we were in Ohio. Now, we'd only been there for handful of months. We'd mostly been worried about unpacking and getting settled and learning new jobs and schools and all sorts of things. It was a it was also a pretty stressful yes, Christmas. Probably the hardest six months for all three of us. I was only like nine or ten yep. at the mm-hmm. time. Anytime the subject comes up of the move, I have to say you and your mom were awesome. This was about my job and my dead-end prospects in, a, in Virginia at a terrible job and basically the dream job opening up here. And it meant you and mom moving away from all your friends. And all our family. All your family. Church, every connection, school that you had. You plop down here. Because you already had out-of-state 
family yeah, that your right. your uh, sister and her family were in Maryland, right. your mom and dad were in North, North Carolina. Carolina at this point. So the whole concept of traveling to see your family was already pretty common. But the other side of the family, they were all there still. And we, we left them as well. That so. was really, really, really rough. And it did mean that that first Christmas was also, you know, a little financially tight. Hmm. There had been the move and the travel hmm. and Hotels and house, house and, and all those things. Mortgage with this and double for that and mm-hmm. paying off to whatever. All of all of the stuff that's involved with picking up an entire house in a pretty short period of time okay. and plopping it down in a different state. And there was not going to be an option for a tree. It was just not going to happen. Yeah, I kind of can't even remember if it was the logistics of it, if it was travel, if it was. We didn't have a physical space for it because of boxes. I can't remember the details. I'm but pretty sure it was just everything. It was everything. It was everything all at once. It was It was also having to come up with whole new Christmas traditions on the That's fly. Right. Mm-hmm. Who were we going to visit? Because right. beforehand, it was always easy. We'll do Christmas in town beforehand and some Christmas afterwards with the family one state away. Well, when it's seven hours to get to one side of the family and, and ten hours to get to the, to get to the other. Yeah, it makes it a little more tricky. That whole logistical thing was also just not going to happen. And so figuring out what sort of jury-rigged Christmas we were going to have at the end of a really terrible four months was pretty rough sure. to come I know together. you executed this plan. I don't know if you conceived of it. I do not remember where the idea came from. But we had rolls of sort of butcher paper type mm-hmm. of, you know, art art paper. Yeah, it was... I, I will also say that whoever bought that butcher paper... That was a great That person. was the greatest purchase in history because it was my art therapy for that whole period of time. It was just me and the butcher paper for hours but, but, and hours and hours. And But we grabbed, a, I guess, probably two six-foot sections of it. And just covered the one piece of fully set up centralized furniture that we had in the chaotic mess of boxes and suitcases that we were living out of. The computer cabinet the computer had cabinet. one side to it. And it was just covered entirely with paper and I drew a Christmas tree on it and we stuck all the presents on it. And it was it was awesome. The inverse Christmas tree was such a bizarre disconnected kind of Christmas tradition for a very bizarre kind of Christmas that we were having that it honestly felt really, really right. And again, this is one where obviously me and your mom were older. I mean, you were, this would have been nine. You could have rightfully thrown a fit and said, no, that is not a Christmas tree. But that's never been you. We explained the situation. You were living the situation. And to the best extent, in an extremely mature way, you understood this was the Christmas tree we were going to have. And you threw yourself into it. And it really wasn't making the best of it. It was was the best. (laughs) Yeah. The longer it sat there, the more I kind of fell in love with the whole concept. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, well, that means that this year we're not going to be crawling around under the tree finding presents. It was they're all stacked up it, on the kitchen know, floor in front of this well, it was, cabinet. Well, it was pull it was pull up a chair to the cabinet and, so and crawl, right. crawl up on top of the cabinet and <laughs> fish around for presents and hand them out while we're sitting around the kitchen table. And honestly, it was 
weird. It was it worked. It was rough. It worked. But it worked. And I think back on it with a lot of fondness. That cabinet. That cabinet came across four state lines in order to get where it ended up. And, and it, it just in 2020. In 2020, met its it did meet its demise. So I would sort of like to hear at the end of 2020, pour one out for the <laughs> deep discount purchase of a solder pre pre built cabinet, which was a part of your household and then my household. Went to four different houses, five houses, up and downstairs, in and out of buildings. Into a third floor apartment, out of a third floor apartment, <laughs> and eventually did meet its demise, its its valiant demise. At some point, you said, the, uh, "I have a house. I am not putting this in my house." I, I, it had been in the house, and I was like, "You know what? We're done." It was in the middle of the pandemic. It was May. It was time to just make things happen, and so I emptied out the cabinet and I handed my roommate a sledgehammer and I said. Go for it. <laughs> Therapy. That cabinet. Therapy. That cabinet served us so well. Now, the following year, mm-hmm. after we'd been there for a year and a half, we had actually started setting down some roots. Mm-hmm. We were making friends, yep. getting to know our neighbors, feeling a little bit more settled. And you had a chance that year to, I don't even know if this was when we started this or if, or if it was a continuation, but the, the neighborhood Mm -hmm. cookie making, swapping tradition. Yeah. Of of making Christmas cookies and delivering them to the folks in the neighborhood that we had met, that we had, uh, that we knew, you know, including the folks on, on either side of us. And uh, the folks on one of the sides we knew really through their kids uh, in the neighborhood. This was a, an Asian uh, family. And what I loved was that the kids had the most stereotypical uh, Midwestern names you, uh, you could think of. And, and the, the parents did not speak great English, so it was, our interactions were more, were more with the kids. We'd uh, taken some cookies over, over to them. And I guess in, again, whichever, you know, whatever uh, culture uh, they were from, one of the traditions was if someone gives you, I guess this was like in a Tupperware or in a Pyrex or something, that when you return it, you don't return it empty. And we had been coming from the South, mm-hmm. with mom in particular, living in Virginia for like 20-some years or not mm-hmm. nigh on to it. That kind of hospitality, like, mm-hmm. is Pretty standard. And I, she had a rough time living in the North. Yeah. She really, 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 really did. You and I honestly did adjust yes. a lot better, but she had some pretty serious culture shock to go through. And so in her mind, the idea of giving cookies to the neighbors is like, well, it's a nice thing to do, but also like a chance to get to know them right. and all that stuff. But we weren't expecting anything in return. And we didn't know. That the father next door, who we rarely saw because he was so busy, because he owned a Chinese restaurant and was the head chef. (laughs) We got Christmas spring roll dumplings. And honestly, I have never been happier in my life. Fresh, hot, handmade, chef quality. They were gone. They were gone. They were gone in a day. Best Christmas cookies ever. Ever. 
I'm going to get spring rolls this Christmas. I have decided, See, you know what, good, again. That's a good memory. This Nothing is, wrong with that. This is the Christmas of whatever you want to do, do it. There is no such thing as tradition. Do what makes you happy. I am buying us Christmas spring rolls from the place down the street. <laughs> I have, it, is, it is decided. Like we said, you are a homeowner now. You've had your own place for now. Two years. Two years and two a couple years, of days. Two years officially. Two years officially last month. No, but you, you know, when you come back, you still have a lot of your stuff here. And among the things that you have here. My truly cherished possessions. Is the American Girl dolls. Oh, man. Sorry, action figures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love the American Girl company. I will, I will never not go top, to that for the American Girl company. quality. And attention to detail, the trip we took to Chicago, to the store. Their toys that they produce, the quality of their materials that they use, their historical details, Mm -hmm. the variety of stories they tell, the quality of their books, their educational information, absolutely everything. I, I go to bat for them any chance that I get, literally any chance that I get. And the first one that you got was... Kirsten. Kirsten Larson, the Swedish immigrant Midwestern story, which again, I got the Midwestern immigrant <laughs> doll, I think the year before we moved. I believe so. And one of the things about the Kirsten story was that as a Scandinavian person, Santa Lucia was very important for the Christmas tradition. So as, uh, you know, because all of the dolls always came with some form of holiday book mm-hmm. of Here's how people celebrated the holidays in this culture, in this time period, in this type of family. And so she had her Santa Lucia outfit with the crown and the candles. This is the candle that this is the candles in the crown. Yes. For people who are not familiar with this. And it talked a lot about what that tradition was mm-hmm. like and the things you do and how you celebrated the end of the year. And I was like, that's so cool. It's so cool. It was so cool. I loved that tradition. I loved that outfit. That was honestly one of my favorite mm-hmm. things. And this ties into the best Christmas album, the best tie-in mm-hmm. media mm-hmm. Christmas album of all time, which was the Arthur Holiday album. That which was, was really good. All of the characters from Arthur, like all of the voice mm-hmm. actors getting together and singing songs in character about yes. various people's traditions. Mm-hmm. And one of them was the Santa Lucia Day song. The Santa Lucia. And I would definitely listen to that song on a loop on my headphones <laughs> for a couple of days leading up to Christmas for Wonderful. like four or five Wonderful. years. Still got such warm feelings about that. And it sort of feels like I've come full circle in that way. Of course, you know, like I've said before that I am a Christian of some (laughs) variety here in the weirdness. I do want to take a moment while I'm here. It has been very sad that I found a church, got connected, found some people, and then that was at the very end of last year. I think you went to you went to New I Year's to Eve. New, I we went, went to Christmas to service. Christmas Eve service there. Christmas mass. You were getting hooked in. That's why we went. You and I went to Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday. 
And it's, I, there's still been some connection. There's still been emails and check-ins and all that stuff, but it is different. It's, it's yeah. not a, it's a, you know, a chance to get involved in a physical Eucharist based, mm-hmm. more traditional liturgical tradition and then all that. So, but, so as for myself, as like a sort of fuzzy Episcopalian ish <laughs> person, my roommate is Norse pagan, mm-hmm. which is sort of funny in the way that the Santa Lucia tradition right. exists kind of at that interconnection right, of true. folk Scandinavian traditions and Christian traditions. It's in that little Venn diagram. In our household, we celebrate both Yule and Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it's Yule from winter solstice until Christmas Eve, and then it's Christmas from Christmas to mm-hmm. King's Day. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually... For us, really, it's not a bad. It's not a bad setup. It means that we do get to celebrate the holidays for about two weeks, and it's just sort of funny to think back now. Like, yeah, you know, that's sort of been like a part of the the Christmas holiday winter traditions that I've held on to from a pretty early age. That now is sort of manifesting again in a in a certain way here. I also want to bring out something that somebody pointed out which is not to get completely superstitious here at the end of the mass trauma event, although, if anything, this year has definitely taught us we need to be a lot more sympathetic to historical people for the way they reacted to things, because nobody is reacting logically to the coronavirus pandemic. It's completely natural to feel overwhelmed and look for greater meaning and all that stuff. But the... Gvelda, I think is how it's pronounced, goat in Sweden, has not burned for five years, and each year has gotten progressively worse. So I'm just saying, they've got about 48 hours. Get this right. Somebody better burn that goat to the ground. (laughs) Only right and proper. It burned to the ground for many, many years. Many, many years. The last six Christmases it survived, and... It has not voted well, so <laughs> hopefully, as, right. hopefully, as we get here close to the to the new year, we'll be able to go through darkest night and Advent mm-hmm. and Christmas and all of this stuff. And at some point, a giant straw goat will burn to the ground. That's all we're asking. That's all I'm asking. It's not that big a deal. I don't. I don't think that's too much to ask for. And I think the last story we'll have is is the bittersweet one. My parents, on retirement, discovered the glories of the cruise ship. They loved cruising a couple of times a year. And they had decided for their 50th anniversary, they were going to take everyone on the cruise. Them, the two kids, the spouses, the three grandkids, that nine. Yeah, they were going to take the nine of us on on a Caribbean cruise. And they actually moved it up to the 48th anniversary with health things and sort of strike while the iron's hot and all of that. Christmas, New Year's of 2005. And in 2005, my mom got sick over the summer and in and out of the hospital. And sort of, we, you know, the motivation to get well was we're going to go on this cruise. The family is going mm-hmm. on this cruise. Be well enough. Mm-hmm. To go on the cruise. And that did not happen. She passed away in mid-November. And that timing actually 
kind of worked. We met up, the eight of us, uh, met up at the at my dad's for the memorial service and, 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 and all of that. And the question came up of what were we going to do? My recollection is that dad was inclined to cancel. Yes. And I think all of us rallied whoever voiced it first. Me or my sister, probably. But whoever voiced it said, no. We're doing this partly because mom would have wanted us to. Yep. If mom knew that we were canceling this big family celebration because she couldn't be there, she would haunt all of us. (laughs) She would haunt us aggressively forever. We went on the cruise and... It was really good. Yeah. It was not the celebratory party right. that we had originally envisioned. But it was about six weeks after her passing, maybe four or five weeks after the memorial service. We had a chance to disperse, mm-hmm. take some deep breaths, begin the grieving process, and then come back together. And it was, it's really a memorable time. Because a cruise ship is big enough you can get lost in. Mm-hmm. 1,500 people or whatever it was. But it's small enough you pretty much see everybody every day. <laughs> the way it was set up was that every night we all had dinner together. Like yes. That was part of the, the yes. thing. Was that every... You know, that was the official scheduled event. Yes. And so every day you saw everyone. Yeah. But if you wanted to be by yourself the rest of the time there you could... There was enough room you could... And if you wandered around long enough, you would bump into someone. So you had the option to be together. Mm -hmm. It was not fun. I think it was healing. But it was was definitely healing. It, in a lot of ways, to make a really terrible boat pun, it served as an extended wake. That it was a chance for us to be together after a death, but with no body. No pageantry, no expectations of right. how you were supposed to be handling it, mm-hmm. but a chance to just be together without being observed. Yes, that's such a good way to say it. And whether it was for grieving purposes or for whatever purposes, if you wanted an ice cream sundae at two in the morning, you could have one. Oh man, the the combination 24-hour pizza... And the soft serve ice cream sundae bar, literally right next to each other. I'm just saying, that was a big help. That was a big, big, big help. And it was just a change. It was a complete, literal change of place. It was Mm -hmm. a change of pace for everybody. It got us. It shook us up. It got us out of our out of our houses. Certainly got us out of a routine. Out of our houses. Out of our. And I think it was a really. True true definition of bittersweet. I will say that I, again, the further you get from anything that's like yes. in your childhood, sure. the fuzzier it gets. But I don't remember anything that happened between the day oh, yeah. I got the news yeah. and the day of her memorial service. And I don't remember anything the between the memorial and the cruise. Nothing. For one thing. <laughs> they are complete voids. For one thing, we are moving into this house. So that is part of why it was a, it's a blur and a void to me. I just know the dates that we were moving into this house. We slept in the old house. Mm-hmm. We went on the cruise. 
we came back and slept in this house yeah. the day after, the day we got back from the cruise. That's right, we had moved enough stuff in for that that's to happen. Right, because we packed we packed our things that we didn't need and brought them to the Here. new house. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then we packed our clothes for the cruise. Yep. We took everything else and put it in the new house, went on the cruise and moved in. Yep. So it was Man. a crazy wild time. I forgot that. I you didn't I like literally, things out. I literally forgot that we brought the mattresses yes. the day we went on the cruise. That we brought the mattresses, yep. went to the airport, right. flew to the cruise port, yep. went on the cruise, came back, got our car, and came to the new house and slept on bare mattresses because we didn't have the beds. Yeah, but they came that next day. <laughs> the timing for that worked in retrospect so well. I feel if there's anything that we can take from this is that the holidays are almost always chaotic in different ways, whether it is for family reasons, for physical reasons, for financial reasons, for all of the above. It is always kind of bonkers around Christmas. Even when the chaos is positive and the bonkers is positive, it's still exhausting and stressful and it's family, yes. often, who can be exhausting and stressful. And friends, as well, who can be exhausting. I mean, it's, it's, yes. It's always a lot. But the further you get from that chaos, mm-hmm. the more you really are able to have a, a sort of fuzzy feeling for it. That the difficulty and the pain mm-hmm. does fade. But there will be things to celebrate in every single difficult Christmas. Every single difficult Christmas will bring you something to be nostalgic about. Even if it's just something little, like the cat, once again, trying to eat the vacuum. Come here. Come here. Come here. Sit down. It's those moments in between the stress and the chaos that you can romanticized that you can be nostalgic about as the or, years go on. Or completely blank out of your memory. Or completely blank out of your memory until people remind you live on a podcast. And you know what? That's valid. That's definitely valid. I will get pretty real here for a second and say, I don't remember November of this year. I'm almost certain the, it happened. The election happened. And everything between that November's between that, November sixth and Thanksgiving Day is a blank, and everything between the day after Thanksgiving and December sixth is also a blank. I know time passed and things happened, and I did stuff. You know, here in twenty twenty, there's no guarantee that time passed. I don't know that you say that. I sort of believe it, but I don't know it. <laughs> I would say I would say that. Looking back on this whole year, just grab out a few bits and pieces to hold on to. If you only have three or four positive memories to hold on to, do it. Cherish those three. Let everything else fade. You don't need them. And all of that being said, we do want to wish you a Merry Christmas. We do. And we certainly hope that 2021 has moments of joy and peace and love and grace. But if right now, if it's a blue Christmas for you, that's okay. Mm -hmm. We have been in a blue Christmas Mm -hmm. pretty much since last blue Christmas. But the message of Christmas is God is with us. 
and that is a no-matter-what situation. It feels very appropriate here, as we're in Christmas, that last year was the, it was the time of saying, Christmas comes in the middle of the dark, Mm -hmm. and the dark is around you, and you don't need to ignore it, you don't need to run from it. Now that we have spent so much time in the dark, feeling alone and isolated and sad and angry and frustrated Mm -hmm. and worried that even before the light comes, before the spring comes, before all of this is just a memory that we can look back on with eventually some fondness, mostly relief that it's over. Mm That it's okay that as we're in this darkness to celebrate just those little bits of light. Mm -hmm. Those little bits of light right now, they're enough. That's worth celebrating. Amen. And I want to give everyone here as we are wrapping up, I want to give everybody their holiday present real quick. I can hear the cat purring from here, and I'm not next to the microphone, so hopefully y'all got that. So that's everybody's Christmas present <laughs> from us here at Darkness to Light at the end of 2020. <laughs> Thank goodness. So thanks for listening to this informal, less than ideal sound quality episode. And wherever you come from within the big tent of the Christian world, or if you identify as being outside of that world, or you just don't know where you are or where you belong, you can come here. All are welcome here, home for the holidays. (laughs) So we will give everyone a quick season's greetings. Happy holidays. Blessed New Year. Happy Yule. Kwanzaa. We've just wrapped up Hanukkah. And may the Force be with you and also with you. While you're waiting for the next podcast episode, check out our websites. Darknesstolight.blogspot.com contains reviews, essays, and other similar ramblings. And darknesstolight.tumblr.com, which contains some of that material, as well as top tens, cool photographs, memes, and religious puns. We also run a general interest comic book podcast network, Relatively Geeky. That content can be found at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or by searching iTunes for Relatively Geeky. Let us know what you think of this topic, this episode, or this podcast in general. Feel free to send your thoughts to us at darknesstolight at gmail.com. We would also appreciate any ratings or reviews left for the podcast in the iTunes store to help like-minded people find us. Our intro, outro, and promo music is all provided by Anderson Kale. Search for them online to listen to or purchase their music. Thanks for listening.
It's always nice to look out the window and see those very first few flakes of snow. And later on, we can go outside and create the impression of an angel that just fell from the sky. When February rolls around, I'll roll my eyes, turn a cold shoulder to these even colder skies. And by the fire, my heart it heaves a sigh for the green grass waiting on the other side. It's always winter, but never Christmas. It seems this curse just can't be lifted. Yet in the midst of all this ice and snow, our hearts stay warm 'cause they are filled with hope. It'd be so nice to look out the window and see the leaves on the trees begin to show. The birds would congregate and sing a song of birth, a song of newer things. The wind would calm and the sun would shine. I'd go outside and I'd squint my eyes, but for now I was simply just withdraw, sit here and wish. For this world of thoughts, always winter, but never Christmas. It seems this curse just can't be lifted. Yet in the midst of all this ice and snow, our hearts stay warm 'cause they are filled with hope. Sometimes it feels.